excited because I totally am. My name is Anastasia and together with other Come Chameleons of Press Team, we're working on ESN podcast. Creating the first ESN podcast was a challenging task for us all, but it was a lot of fun too. And here we are. I hope you'll enjoy it. Today we're meeting our lovely web project administrator, Kaspers, who is currently living his best Quarantine Life in Brussels together with other IB members. Let's get to know him together. Okay, so, Kaspers, how are you? How is your quarantine going on? Oh, it's going just well. I take some adjustments, but uh, it's good that you're still with the people you know in the ESN house. So in many ways, I have the luxury of being in quarantine, but not being alone. And is it difficult for you to spend like all your time with the same people? Uh, it gets a bit uh, bit tedious perhaps at times, but uh, that's why I also schedule calls with some of my other friends, my family, to try to shift things up. But in the end, we actually don't know each other that well in the house, since we usually work in the office in different times. So this is quarantine is actually time for us to get to know each other a bit better as well. Wow, interesting. I didn't expect that. So I guess every ESNer got a story of getting into the ESN world. What is yours? Yes, uh, I think everyone does. I was uh, attending a meeting for first-year uh, students in my university that showed all the extracurricular activities you could attend. I had uh, gone there with the intention to join my local student council. So I went up to them and uh, talked about the person from Foreign Affairs who mentioned working with international students, but it was very vague and frankly, I was not too impressed. So. On my way out of the meeting, next to the exit, there are these uh, weird people that, compared to everyone else in the room, seemed super excited to talk to me and had this weird flag on their desk uh, with many, many colors. So I walked up to them and learned they're from an organization called ESN. Um, they explained that they do the same thing I was talking about, but they seem much more passionate, much more engaged. So they gave me a leaflet uh, on how to join them and where the next meeting will be. So I decided to join my local section in Riga, and that's how I ended up in ESN. And I haven't uh, haven't stopped in uh, five and a half years now. Nice, five and a half years. It's quite a long time. And what was your first position there? Apart from being a local member, the first position I held was the local webmaster. So your first choice were IT-related thing, right? Indeed. Uh, I actually did not join ESN to do IT. Uh, I think many IT people join ESN to do non-IT things, but obviously in the end people, so to say, discovered that I was an IT student. So I ended up helping with setting up the website of my section and uh, generally uh, getting to know the tools a bit and uh, helping my section out. Okay, nice. But um, you were a president as well, as I know? And what do you like more, like working, bossing laptops around or bossing people around? I guess it depends on the day. <laughs> um, I really enjoy the duality of the work, uh, both in my section and at, for some point in the national board, I help both of these sections at the same time, which uh, meant that I 
had both the opportunity to lead, but also to work on policy and IT at the same time. And it's actually complemented me rather nicely in the international board because the WPA position is in many ways a mixture of working in policy, specifically when it comes to digitalization, and working on IT tools, preparing services for the network. So it was actually a very nice experience to have a broader horizon than just one of the positions would offer. Interesting. And like, do you still keep in touch with your section in Riga and in Latvia? I do my best. Uh, I'd hope to to actually go visit them uh, this month, but uh, that unfortunately didn't pan out quite as I hoped. Uh, but I have chats with uh, my friends from my former section, the national level and so on. So I try to check up on how things are going there to 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 check that everything's fine. And do you feel more pressure while being a part of international board? Yes, of course. It's a position of responsibility where I know that the whole network has entrusted me to do a specific job. But to be honest, I personally think that the main pressure for me and everyone on the board comes from ourselves, because all of us have our own specific ideas and dreams we wish to achieve while we are in the board. So we try to keep ourselves and each other accountable that we achieve them. Okay, and... um... So then why, how did you decide to take that responsibility on you? Was it a tough decision to make? It was a long decision. I mean, it's difficult to say when you first started thinking about being in the IB. I think it, for my case, it might have even started all the way back in 2016 at AGM Warsaw. But then it was this thought you have in the back of your mind, this idea that you never think you're going to explore too much. But then I started to understand last year that the window would be there and that I had the belief and self-confidence that I could do it if I ran. So I decided to apply and the network agreed with my vision and elected me an AGM and that's how I'm here. Brussels much more different than Riga? Was it difficult for you to accustom? There's always things that you need to adjust. It's obviously a much larger city. It has a slightly different culture. There's a, in some ways people actually perhaps a slightly more social than in the north, so to say. But I think I adjusted rather quickly, partially because you're not alone in moving to the house. There's four other people in the board that uh, go with you. So you have already have a group of people that are similar and have the same experience as you at the same time. Of course, I also had the added benefit that I had already been to Brussels a few times due to ESN meetings. So I at least knew where some of the key places are, some people that were live there. So I didn't feel completely lost when I first arrived. Now that you can walk around freely now, what does your day routine with the IP looks like? Do you work all the time or is it like being Netflix productive? Uh, depends. Uh, there's generally still many things that need to be done in the quarantine, perhaps even a bit more so. So I generally still work a uh, working day the same way how I've done in the office. I've tried to recreate my office setup in my room to match uh, the environment. And I still try to to switch from Netflix and chill and working, so to say. So I try to actually dress up how I go to work and, you know, 
take care of myself and try to keep a routine. And that way I've been able to continue working during the working days. Ah, so you mentioned that you're trying to make a difference between working space and like a chilling space. Um, how do you manage? Have you got any tips on that? I think everyone is struggling with that right now. I mean, you have to find what works for you. I think the, the, the very basic thing is the commitment that you have to agree that you will separate the time you work from the time you relax and that these two should never, uh, never go into one another. So I have the time I work each day, which is from around 9.30 to 6, 7 or so. And that's the time I work with some breaks in between. But then after 7, that's when I stop working unless there's something else that needs to be done that day. And I don't relax while I work and I don't work when I'm relaxing. And that's the, that's in the end, the key thing. Everything else is just ways how to, to complement that. That is a nice tip. Thank you very much. And um, how is it when the quarantine is not going on? Like, do you talk about ESN stuff in the house or is it like, as soon as office door closes, working is over. Mm, depends. Sometimes we have meetings in the ESN house as the board, compared instead of the office, because the office has staff working in it. But uh, in general, I think in a house we don't talk ESN that much. I personally don't talk ESN that much, because when there is no quarantine, I do not work from the house. I separate my time in a house or my time in the office. So if there's anything that needs to be done in regards to work, uh, I would do it in the office instead of the house. Mm, okay, interesting. And you're a resident of ESN house for quite a while now. All IBs are from different countries, so everyone brought some kind of cultural baggage with them. Did it influence your co-living? Did you notice some cultural peculiarity among other IB members and sort of like... Wow, that is um, interesting. <laughs> of course. I mean, we're all different people. And the fact that we're from different cultures only only makes that more apparent. I mean, there's even things you see from previous boards sometimes in the house you catch. with Tiny things. The fact that some boards put labels on objects and others didn't. The way how the furniture was arranged in the house and how we rearranged it and so on. But when it comes to our board, of course, you notice a few things. For example, the fact that... Uh, Joao eats dinner at nine, which to me is, always seems a bit weird because I usually try to eat it at six or five. Or if I work until seven, then probably at seven or so, um, which is something you get a bit used to. You might be a bit surprised to walk into the kitchen and see him there. You, of course, notice as well that uh, there's some of us that are more social, that are more in the living room, that are less in the living room. For example, I try to keep in the confines of my room while I work. Some of the boards stay in the living room right now. So it's, uh, it's a bit different. I also know that uh, Sabina usually likes to go for walks the most. So you usually can uh, know that she will be out for a walk for about 20, 30 minutes each afternoon. Diana usually has a book or a series with a nice uh, cup of coffee or uh, a smoothie that she has made. And for Costis, uh, Costis actually usually has projects around the house where he tries to restore order when when there isn't one 
with bed sheets or rearranging stuff, ensuring things are in order. But he also likes to eat quite a lot, that I've noticed. So, <laughs> indeed, all of us are, have our own specific personalities. Okay, that's interesting. But, like, do you have um, dinners together? And if you do, what do you agree on eating a dinner at six o'clock or at nine o'clock? We don't usually eat all together. We usually only do that either when we plan to have an occasion with the whole house that stays. Then we usually meet at around eight or nine or so. Or we do it after we have a strategy meeting. Because it's usually very difficult to plan a dinner or lunch together when we don't have something that we do all together. Because we all have our own calls, our own calendars. So almost always there would be one or two people that would have something going on at that time. Ah, okay. And um, you've mentioned about people coming to your son house. I was always quite interested. How does it feel? Like, there are always some unknown people in your house. <laughs> it's an it's a interesting experience, to most importantly, because you see it from the other side, because I had been a guest at the house uh, several times before I moved to live here, full-time, so to say. It's, uh, it's something you need to get used to. But uh, I still think that uh, they're guests, so I try to, to talk to them, to meet them, to, to relax in the afternoon, maybe have a beer with them once their uh, day of the meeting is done. So in an odd way, perhaps I even missed that during the quarantine, but that's uh, probably just me. I generally enjoy meeting and talking to new people, which might seem actually a bit uh, weird because I usually come across as quite a private and introverted person. Don't you feel sometimes like you're over-socializing? Do you want to sometimes like have your rest and chill out on your own? Yes, of course. I mean, there's always limits and I generally sometimes want to get away from everything. So, of course, even if we have guests in the house, I expect them to not randomly barge into my room, for example, or, or to be woken up by them at 4 a.m., which is not often the case. So this is not in me anyway, complaining about the guests we have. But of course, sometimes you just need to set some time to get away from everything. And actually try to do that in my room when I can. To not uh, focus on this and things and actually have something else going on. Either read a book or watch a series or write in my diary, something like that. Wow, you have a diary? Interesting. Um, what do you usually write there? Like how your day went or your plans or... My thoughts that I have at the time. I'm not a regular writer, as most people probably are. So I don't have dated entries and so on. I just write in it to sort out the thoughts, feelings I have at a specific time to try to understand why I am the way I am at the time. Because uh, it helps to, to keep track of where you are mentally, in my opinion. Um, it's a very good way of analyzing things that are going on in your life. And um, do you have any tradition in the house? The thing that should be done every Saturday, for example, or something like that? I don't think we have a tradition specifically yet. But uh, we do because we have traditions in the office that have been transferred to the house in some ways, and that we have what we call fika every week. 
Um, it's a Swedish tradition to have a break for 30 minutes where everyone just gathers and uh, talks about their day, but not about work and relaxes. So we do it online with the rest of the office, but we do usually try to gather everyone that's in the house in one room to make it less weird. Um, so yeah, but I don't think we have a specific yes in house tradition yet, but uh, we'll see if we get one by the end of this year. Who brought the Fika tradition in the office? Uh, I don't know. It's been around for a very long time. I know that uh, our Fika master is our director, Rasmus. Um, he's from Sweden, where the tradition comes from. So but actually, I've never asked if he was the first one to bring it to the office or if it was already there before. Working on ESN stuff, what was your favorite ESN project to work on? Difficult to say. Probably from the current projects that I work on, it is the online learning agreement that we do with the European University Foundation, because it has a very ambitious goal, which is to create a digital version of the learning agreement that will actually become a mandatory part of the new Erasmus program, if everything goes to plan, fingers crossed. And I just feel that that's a very clear example of how we can use IT and digital tools to benefit international students. So. It's a project that I've always had a, a passion for. I actually have chills right now because finally, maybe learning agreements won't be such a difficult thing to manage. Um, by the way, have you ever been on Erasmus? Strangely enough, I am the only person aboard that has not been on exchange because I did the interesting decision of basically joining ESN the first day of my university. So I've been in ESN for a long time, but because of that, it was always difficult to arrange going on Erasmus. It was also a further compromise by the part that uh, IT study programs usually have very limited windows to go on exchange, unfortunately. So the time I could have gone on Erasmus, I was in the national board and it would have been very difficult for me to, to go. But uh, let's see. Once I'm done with the board, I still have my master's left, so... Perhaps I can go on exchange then once uh, I have uh, everything uh, more or less settled with ESN. That's kind of the most interesting thing I've heard from the board so far, a person who hasn't been on Erasmus yet. Um, which Erasmus program would you use for that? Like volunteering or um, short-term internship or like Erasmus in the university? Depends. I would be interested in the Solidarity Corps, perhaps, because you can go on it once. Or I could do Erasmus Mundus, or or maybe depending on which university join, I could get a joint degree program. I, I really haven't thought about this much, though. Yeah, please write it down on your plans, um, together with calling your section. <laughs> and what was your favorite ESN event to attend? There's been so many, and I've gotten so old that I might not remember all of them. So, I mean, I have very nostalgic memories of my very first ESN event, which was Nepp Bergen in 2015. It wasn't perhaps the best event, but it was my first event. So it was the time I discovered what ESN is uh, and got the feeling of what ESN is about, which I feel that... Uh, when you're at the local level, at first, you don't necessarily understand or relate to. 
another uh, event that to me, of course, is going to be very special is uh, AGM Saloniki because that was where I was elected to the board. So it was a, a very odd mix of stress and uh, satisfaction in the end. So that's also going to stay in my memory for a while. You mentioned, by the way, that uh, it's difficult to understand that ESN is all this big um, international kind of community when you're working at the local level. I totally feel the same way, by the way. Before I joined um, communication committee, I I feel like my section was all alone, kind of. But now I can feel the international spirit. Um, what do you enjoy the most about your volunteer experience in ESN? Mm, the most interesting and the most valuable part about volunteering in ESN to me is the ability to directly support a group that's often overlooked in the community, which are the international students. But at the same time, to also get to know them, to see different cultures and expand your worldview. So doing that and at the same time actually helping them, supporting them, to me is uh, really the reason why I joined ESN in the first place. I think it's some time to know you a little bit better as a person. So it's kind of a weird question time. What did you want to be when you were small? When I was small, I had two thoughts about what I wanted to be. And neither of them was to be an IT person, which was obvious because my dad is an IT person and children <laughs> never want to be their, their parents, even though they often end up becoming them in one way or another. So I wanted to either be a writer or a historian or probably a historian writer would be the compromise between the two because I generally enjoy writing, even though I'm probably not the best at it, to be honest. And I have a fascination with history. I have quite a lot of books at home that I have read about different periods, about different perspectives, events. And generally, I think it's just a very important thing to have an understanding about history, to to avoid making mistakes that society has already done once. Hmm, writing. That's interesting. Should we wait for you in the press team? Maybe one day. <laughs> if, I, if I find that I have an extra time slot, uh, perhaps after the board. Okay, maybe you can make quite a nice episodes, articles about what being an IB is. Um, the next question. What is one thing you will never do again? Hmm... I know a list of things that I've done that I've uh, decided not doing again. Are you getting your list right now? Yes, I've, I'm pulling out my imaginary list and I'm going through it right now. What an organized person. One of the things that uh, I will never do again is, and I would not, uh, I would probably go a different route or not go with something negative that I will not try again. One of the things I will never get to do again, of course, is to experience the the feeling of an international environment for the first time, the, the feeling when you join the ESN. So that's a feeling that you can only get once, I think. So yeah, I will never get to do that again. Okay, but what is the thing like you've tried to do, you didn't like it and was like, no, that's enough. 
if you go with that thing, uh, oh, that's probably folk dancing. I really don't like folk dancing. You did folk dancing. Well, in Latvia, we have a very strong culture on the choirs and folk dancing. We have a song and dance festival every five years. So, yes, during school, you're more or less expected to try being in the choir or do folk dancing. So I, I did both for a while and I discovered it's really not the thing for me. Wow, that is quite an interesting thing to know about you. Um, what would you change about yourself if you could? Mm, hard to say. In, in many ways, if I changed something about myself, I probably would not be myself anymore. But one of the things I always try to actively uh, work on more is to show more how I value and care for the people around me because it's part of this northern mentality that we often have a paralysis of some facial muscles so we don't smile that often we don't emote our emotions that often which sometimes leads to me being seen as either being annoyed or cold or distant when I'm not actually trying to be that so that's one of the things I've always tried to work on I'm relating so much right now um yeah, people sometimes think that you're even like rude and don't want to talk to people. So sometimes I question, oh my God, oh, yeah, why, exactly. I, yeah, why anyone wants to talk to me? And then people like your facial expression, obviously. True. <laughs> so I really hadn't been stalking you before the interview at all. But why was your last post on Instagram published on 29th of June? Do you have some kind of complicated relationship status with social media? Oh, I do. Uh, I certainly do. I was not on uh, any social media platform actively before I joined ESN. I only joined Facebook because everything in ESN happens in Facebook. So that's another uh, odd fact about me, I suppose. I try to use uh, social media every now and then, but I have a sort of a love and hate relationship. So I have periods when I want to post, periods when I do not post. On my Instagram, the last thing I posted was when I was in Budapest, I think, if I'm not wrong. It was before I more or less came back to settle down and being in the board. So it's also just a mixture of me not having as much time to, to do it. But perhaps I should try to take some nice shots of Brussels and have time to keep it alive. Okay, we will wait for your shots from Brussels. And now maybe we can talk about um, your relationship with International Board a little bit more. And it's a very quick Who Would You Wiz sessions. Um, and you have to promise me to answer the first IB that comes to your mind. So, who would you meet at 2 a.m. in the kitchen for a night snack? Taina or Joao, hard to say. Okay, but did it actually happen? No. No? Okay. I, I usually don't go down to the kitchen at 2 a.m., so it's hard for me to prove my theory. Wow, it's weird. How can people not be in the kitchen at 2 a.m.? I mean, where else could you be at 2 a.m.? Not in your bed, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> so who would you travel to Madagascar with? Uh, Joao. Okay. Who would you choose as a partner for long, sincere, secret sharing talk? Taina. Uh, who would you adapt a cat with? Sabina. But by the way, are you a cat or a dog person? I am a mixture of both. I don't uh, dislike either of them. But I generally prefer cats, I guess. 
Oh, so it was a nice guess, I think. Um, but have you ever considered having an animal in ESN house? I don't think so. Mostly because uh, it's quite difficult to, to, to keep an animal in the house, I think, because you travel a lot. So you would have to try to think of a solution how to keep the animal fed, socialized, and you would still end up with the animal probably locked in your room, so which I don't think is the necessarily right way to have an have a pet. So I have this perhaps slightly countryside mentality that I always think an animal needs to have a freedom and space to move around. Yeah, those are nice points, I guess. Um Because, like, I'm a person who is kind of irresponsible with animals. And uh, soon enough, they appear on the shoulders of my mother. Like, mom, do something with that. It's good that you are responsible with animals. <laughs> um, so, who would you spend the craziest day of your life with? Costis. Costis, interesting. Why? Uh, because uh, I think that uh, he can uh, go for some crazy things every now and then. So I think he would be up to it. Hmm, okay. And who would you take on a deserted island? Mm, I would take uh, Joao, because I think he's the most uh, practically astute of all of us and probably would die last. <laughs> okay, nice choice. And who would you make your agent if you were a celebrity? My agent? Uh, it's a Taina, obviously. She, I would think she would be very good at, uh, at publicity and all that. Uh-huh. And the last one. Who would you binge watch um, a TV series with? Um, Sabina. And what TV series is that? I... Would know. Uh, I would probably always rely on Sabina having something on the list to watch. So, I think it's our last question for today, and traditionally, it's a piece of wisdom for our listeners. What would you advise to a first year in ESNU? I think the most important thing is to to be yourself. We often uh, see that we need to fulfill certain roles in life, and so in ESN as well, that we need to be seen in a specific way or perceived in a certain way. But I think it's important is to be who you are, and I think ESN is actually a very good network that supports and includes you if you are who you are. So you should not be afraid to pursue the dreams you have, to do the things you think that are right, and Contradictory to the question itself, perhaps not always look for the wise old man in ESN who will tell you how to do things, but uh, trust your instincts in the end. I've got some kind of question about that. So to be yourself, what if being yourself includes not smiling and being unsocial? Is it better to work on that then? It's always complex in that way because there's... Uh, I generally always geared towards being myself, because I think that uh, while you can smile, when you feel like smiling, and perhaps you can uh, simply work to make the fact that you're smiling clearer, which is not being dishonest, but you should not smile if you're not actually in the mood to smile, for example, because I think that's, that's being dishonest with yourself, that's being dishonest to other people. 
And it's also something that people will see through eventually anyway. So I think it's always important to to show how you actually feel and to let people know what you actually think. Thank you for such a good piece of advice and a great conversation. And so I'll hear you soon in the next episode of our podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you.